Welcome to When Love Aligns Podcast, where alignment, love, and relationships live. I am Paul Bache Williams, a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. I'm also the blessed husband of Tara Gates Williams. And I am Tara Gates Williams, brand expert, mother, daughter, sister, good old girlfriend, and the blessed wife of Paul Bache Williams. Welcome. So we're going to start a series because I think these are some things that are very important to our marriage. And I think very important. Matter of fact, I know very important to relationships. Yes. And so we're going to break down three different things. We're going to talk about love and money, love and therapy, and love and vision. Yes. But let's start off with love and money because it's so important to really identify and understand your relationship with money and your relationship with each other when it comes to money. Of course, as being a therapist, a lot of couples that I see, some of their challenges is around finances. And we took an assessment and our our assessment revealed that that would be our hardest challenge when it comes to our marriage, our relationship. Was our relationship with money. Yeah. Individually, though. Individual Individually, there was they were different, and because they were different, it caused um, some differences in how we relate and how we communicate when it comes to finances. Yeah, and I think it's important too um, to really speak to being in alignment with your relationship with money individually and collectively. So, when you think about love and money, you know, in this series, this particular episode is about love and money. We want to kind of break it down, like. Our relationship, your relationship when you're single slash dating around money, when you get in a relationship, an exclusive, serious relationship, and then when you get married. Right. So I think going through that really helped. You know, when I look back on, on how we approach money, and actually you brought the conversation up first, we went through these stages, and it was just, you know, really, really helpful for me. But I think we also learned a lot about each other and, and still learning how we relate to money. Right. Because money is the third leading cause of divorce. And that's something we're not doing. Yeah. So we're going to get this money thing right. And we're going to share some of our experiences, what we went through, kind of our money story. And that's what everybody has. Everybody has a money story, like the psychology of money and relationships. Mm -hmm. So your money story starts at your childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. What was your experiences with your parents? What was your experience growing up in the household? How do you identify or relate to money? And because all that builds kind of like your story and then how you show up today. So let's talk about it. Like, what do you think your money story was? Well, I I guess if I go back to like my childhood, um, I never really wanted for anything. Not that, you know, we were millionaires or billionaires, but my family just, you know, if it was something that I needed first (laughs) was, was most important. And then, you know, if there was something I wanted, if I deserved it, I could receive it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't grow up in a mindset of just stressing out about if we didn't have anything or if we did, you know, cause what I, I felt the environment we were, we, I had everything I needed, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, growing up, it wasn't, money wasn't this big worry of mine. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know mine, it was different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my experiences with money is it was it's kind of peculiar because I say that because I lived in low income housing, but it was a requirement of my family to live there, and so we were in a an environment of low income. Mm-hmm. At times we had low income. In college, there was sometimes when 
we didn't have money. But just like you said, I didn't really feel the struggle, but I saw it around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that created shame of maybe I had something that my friend didn't have. It's yeah, a really good way to put that. And That's then, an yeah. way. And then there were times where my friends had stuff and I didn't have. Yeah. And so it was this really uh, kind of dynamic that I was really unsure, uneducated. I didn't really have financial literacy. And I think that was the biggest issue in, in my household because nobody was really good with money. Like, my pops would make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. My mother wasn't good with money. Mm-hmm. There were times where we should be able to get things, mm-hmm. but we couldn't because it wasn't there. And there's no reason why it wasn't there. We just didn't have good financial management. Mm-hmm. And okay. so I took that on, and it became I needed to look like I had it mm-hmm. even when I didn't. Got it. You know, and I think back is my mom has always been great with money. Like to this day, she's still at the kitchen table balancing her checkbook, mm-hmm. pen and and paper. Like, you know, online banking is not a concept to her. She's old school with it, but she's, you know, got a thousand credit score. Right. Her, her credit has always been great. Her her financial management has been impeccable. And I watched her over the years. My dad has always been frugal, you know. You know, he's not a big spender. He's not spending a lot of money. He's going, you know, be that that have that frugal mindset. Nothing, nothing wrong with either one. Um, but I didn't have this. I mean, I saw that, but I didn't have this true sense of, oh, this is the way I operate. Right. You Nobody know what sat I mean? you down Nobody, and talked to you. Yeah. And, and say, hey, do this, do that. So I moved into my young adulthood and, oh, I had the money. I'm still going to get paid next month, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so this kind of crosses over into single life. Like when you become an adult and you're you're single, what your relationship with money is. And even and we can break dating into this because you're dating when you're single. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at this, you you may think in the beginning, like I said, I got a job. I had a salary, you know, benefits. I'm making money and I'm comfortable. But also I'm still living at home, even though I'm in my 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 twenties. I'm still living at home, so I don't have any real bills, right? But also, let's let's go. Like, I'm sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about society. That happens a lot, y'all. Yeah, that please. happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about societal norms. While you're doing all those different things, still the expectation mm-hmm. is for the man that's pursuing you mm-hmm. to cover you financially. Mm-hmm. We're going out on a date. While you're saving your money, you're balancing your checkbook, the man is supposed to take you out and pay for your dinner. The man is supposed to take you out and buy you things. The man is supposed to take you out and, and strip. So while you're saving and balancing your checkbook and it's looking all cute, the man has to show up a certain way and present himself as such. Because would you say, would you date at that particular time, would you date somebody that couldn't take you out to a nice place? Um, I mean, I think that... What you consider a nice place, that's, that could be all be relative, right? No, I want that, you to go back to your 20s, not to, today. To my 20s? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is, in all honesty, I, I think just the friends that I had around me or the people that I was in contact with, it wasn't a question. if he was, I wasn't getting in the car like, is he going to be able to treat tonight? Like, it was already understood. It was mm-hmm. just presented that way. Oh, I got this. Or, hey, I want to take you here. And nobody ever sat at a table and said, we're splitting. Never asked me to pay half. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In the dating phase. And and the men I dated, that wasn't an experience for me. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen today. I know when I got in relationship, like a a serious relationship or engaged, then it was like, hey, we're going to half on this. We're going to do, you know, because we're in this together. 
but just from a dating standpoint and eat, so I want to I want to kind of backtrack because when you talk about I'm over here doing this looking cute and all that and saving my money that wasn't always the case so I remember in my mid to late 20s when I was in a relationship and and you know we were splitting everything we were living together we were actually engaged when that ended and I left that relationship because you weren't supposed to be it, dating uh, nobody else yeah I was waiting on you babe <laughs> So when when that ended, everything fell on me, right? Now I'm now I'm paying the whole rent. Now I'm buying food. And I remember there was a time when I actually moved to another state after I got engaged. That and like I said, that didn't ha- that didn't work out. And I was all of a sudden paying my my rent and trying. To, and I was so prideful to ask my parents for anything. So literally, dinner every night was success rice. That's when Success Rice first came out. And and that was all I was eating because I was too prideful to ask my parents for any money. And I got a part-time job. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching at the time and a part-time job. And I was making just enough to pay my rent, get my Success Rice, have gas in the car, and maybe splurge on a, you know, a pair of jeans or something like that. And so... Let me ask you. Yeah. As you're describing that, because this is a popular question today. Do you feel like that you were making enough to be able to date? Um, I I never at that time put dating with money because I felt like there's just a lot of other things you can do and not have to spend anything. Like, I, it never crossed my mind in that sense. And anybody, again, anybody that I did meet, it was it was never a question if they were going to pay for dinner or and, anything like and that. And that goes back to my point, because if a man is in your position or the person that's supposed to be providing and mm-hmm. dating and, mm-hmm. and courting you, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're judged in saying that you don't make enough to be dating. Yeah, You're not well enough uh, uh, financially secure to take someone out on a date. You mm-hmm. need to focus on building your life until you get to a certain point in your life, and then you need to pursue love, Yeah, which I, is so dangerous yeah. because you're telling somebody to neglect an important part of their life mm-hmm. to wait until they got the money, and now because I have no experience in dating or pursuing love, I'm supposed to magically get it yeah. now that I have the finances yeah. when we should be able to be able to do both. And build and finances together. Right. I think a lot of people miss out on that, on that aspect of it as a you know their spouse or partner actually being an a- addition to what they're doing you know right. i you always to say i me and my girlfriend used to always to say you know we we want to be a plus sign not a subtraction sign mm-hmm. um i know that sounds real young but back then that's what we talked about because that's still relevant today yeah it is it's just lack of better terms but it's you know i always wanted to be in this place where i was contributing cuz another thing that really molded my relationship with money was my father used to always tell me Always do your part. Like, he would drill that in my head. Always do your part. You never, and I think part of it was, you never want to be in a situation where a man has anything over you, nor do you want to be in a situation where you can't hold your own if you're alone. So I don't think my dad was telling me that with bad intent. He was just like saying, be sure you can be straight by yourself. And when you're in a relationship, always do your part. And that, in his interpretation, is that everything is split 50-50. So anybody that I I was with, unless they told me otherwise, it was 50-50. Now, I'm not talking about dating phase. I'm kind of moving into the relationship and money aspect of this. When I got into committed relationships or we were living together, um, 
it was always a 50-50 thing. I want to come back to that. Okay. But I want to go back to my dating experience. Okay. You have a few minutes. I'm going to give you one minute. Go. <laughs> but but thinking about my dating experience is right. Like graduated from college. Of course, I'm in social work. So we don't start out by making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm in the DMV area. A lot of successful women making a lot of money. Right. And what was happening is that I was creative with my dating, right? If we, instead of going to Ruth Chris, I might have a chef come over and we might cook the meal together. Got it. Um, instead of um, doing something that costs a whole bunch of money, let's create an experience of something that you really like, right? I'm thinking I'm being creative, but that was not enough. So in this for area- For that person though. Yeah, for yeah. those people. Because yeah, <laughs> it was more, people. because these are my experiences dating. At the time, I, my salary was public and I literally had somebody say, you don't make enough to be dating in this area. You need to focus on your career. So let me ask you this. Do you think that that, like, kind of got you either, like, motivated to go harder? No. Or wait, or let me say this, or motivated to prove somebody wrong? Absolutely not. Because I already was attached to my goal. I already knew the process. Mm-hmm. I got into the field knowing the process. I had mm-hmm. a great mentor. I still have a great mentor today. Mm-hmm. And I knew the steps I had to take to get to where I want. You just wanted somebody it, to ride with you to that. It didn't matter. Like, I didn't want anybody to really ride with me. Uh-huh. I'm just enjoying life. Like, my priority was, like, building my life, you know, mm-hmm. doing the different things, and my son. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as he was good. Like, yeah. I remember getting my one of my first apartment, well, my first apartment, and I made sure his room had everything he needed. Mm-hmm. The little room had a TV. He had a bunk bed in his room, mm-hmm. thanks to family. He had a TV. He had all the toys. Mm-hmm. And I slept on a uh, air mattress mm-hmm. until I was able to buy the bed that I wanted. Yeah. It did not matter to me because he was okay. Yes. And so yes. once I got my apartment together, then I started to date. And it was all this pushback. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you do? How much do you make? Oh, that's not enough. Like mm-hmm. literally somebody said, I dated someone who made as much as you did before. And I don't want to be the one that runs the. the uh, carries the relationship. Yeah, carries the relationship mm-hmm. financially. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Somebody said that, uh, again, a couple of times you don't make enough and they're just finding out mm-hmm. whatever that is or just under, not really understanding the field of social work that you can't make money. Mm-hmm. So I've heard all these different things and I just kind of laughed. Yeah. Because I knew there was a process to get to where I wanted to be. Yeah. So, again, when you're talking about your experience, I wasn't thinking 50 50. I wasn't thinking like money should run the relationship. I'm all about relationship building. Yeah. But the people, it also gave me um, some information that dynamics how people operate, mm-hmm. just in general, like their money story. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I've had many conversations about that. So, that was my dating experience. Yeah. And you talk about getting to the relationship. I'm always going to be the provider, mm-hmm. right? And I'm thinking the provider is not just financially. There's so many different other ways to show yeah. up. But I'm also not one that's dependent on yeah. somebody else's finances yeah. to carry the relationship. Yeah. But people don't really know how to have that conversation. Yeah. And I think there was a uh, it was a hard conversation for me mm-hmm. with you. Um, but it was also, you know, really falling into being comfortable with, hey, you telling me, hey, I got all of this. Or I have this, you know, I, that wasn't a concept for me. Mm-hmm. So that was a very hard transition. And I, I, I think, and I may have said this before, like you used to always tell me, oh, you strong, independent black woman. And I used to be like, I do not always need strong and independent in front of black woman. But that's what I was portraying. Right. That's what I was putting out. So especially when it came to finances, I wasn't, I was very like, 
you know, withholding of my finances. I was, you know, embarrassed, didn't want you to to think that I wasn't doing enough. Because, yeah. again, going back to my dad, always do your part. That's that 50-50, hold your own. And even though I was holding my own before I met you, I was, you know, barely holding on. You know what I mean? Or it was in that paycheck to paycheck thing. Because years prior to that, I had a very lucrative business where I was making a whole lot of money a month. But even in that regard, I still wasn't walking around like, oh, this guy doesn't make enough or, hey, you need to have this to to be with me. I just was in a place where I had a lot of money and I was doing really well. And when that started to decline and my business started to, to decline, I then formed a different relationship with money, right. which was this this mindset of I'm never going to be back in that place again. I'm going to do everything I can to be sure I'm not back in that place again. But the beauty of being in that place is I was able to rebuild and get back to, hey, where I am. And I remember my daughter, you know, Ava said to me that, you know, she really watched me go through something really difficult financially, emotionally, psychologically, and then prevail over all that Mm -hmm. to the point where we both have tattoos on our arm that's matching tattoos that say prevail because... She saw me come back from all of that in such a way that I think she was blown away. Mm-hmm. And so you go through certain things so you can become who you need to be. But in that whole piece of getting in relationship with you, I still was protective and private about my money because I was like, I don't, I still was in that mindset. Can I do half? Can I make enough? Even though I was still paying my mortgage every month, paying my car note and doing all those things. That's just what I was doing. I was just doing enough to pay the bills. And I remember you said to me one time, how are you doing all this before I came? Because, and I kind of, that kind of like, I was like, well, who are you talking to? Like, I kind of felt some type of way. And. What was that coming from? Well, well, it was almost like a judgment because I was like, wait a minute, I've been holding it down. And now now it's like I hadn't been holding it down enough. No. And I got back. Wait, let me finish. Mm. Let me finish. And I'm just telling you my experience. Mm -hmm. And but then I got back in my head. My dad was like, do your part. Do your part. Do your part. And I kind of felt like I wasn't doing my part because you came in and really blessed the family and really took a lot off of my shoulders. And I didn't know how to receive that. Mm -hmm. So my relationship with money and looking at you was like. Why are you doing all of it? Like, I, all that you were doing and giving, I felt I had to contribute as well. And when you came and said, hey, we're, to, we're here now. I got this. I'm not asking you for anything. I ha- It took me a while to kind of digest. Yeah, that. it took you a while to say all that, too, because that was about you 17 minutes. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but, but so when you think about your experiences, right, because I've had experiences where almost being evicted and different things mm-hmm. are going on, bad money management, mm-hmm. you know, when, when everybody was furloughed and all those different things, I was struggling financially. Yeah. Like I, I, I cut my side businesses off because I wanted to focus strictly on getting my hours to get to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So I had to be proactive. It wasn't fear-based. It was proactive. It was protective. It was um, planning, all those different things. So there's different ways that you approach it and I think where you came from was more fear-based like you said I don't want to ever be like that again so let me preserve let me hide money let me do these different things and that was coming off to me like 
like I shared my entire story. Like you should be as open as me. You should be free. You shouldn't have to do all this. But that was unfair for me, for my expectations of you to be totally transparent. Yeah. Because it's a process for you as well. And when you told me that thing that your father said, I was like, I don't need you to pay half of nothing. Yeah. And I and and for me it was coming off as I need to slow down so you can pay half or it needs or you're feeling a certain way when I'm coming in and saying, babe, I'm doing this for us. Babe, I got this. And you're feeling anxious about what I'm bringing in to the house and what I'm doing. You felt like you needed to to meet me. And I said, I don't need you to meet me. There's so many other ways that you contributed to my life to help me. And you put me in position and the support to bring in those things financially. And I think sometimes you discredit yourself. Because you don't see it as a dollar. We need a round of applause for that. I need some background <laughs> round of applause. No, I get that. And, like, so crossing over into marriage, we discussed, like, single mindset, right, in exclusive committed relationship mindset. So crossing over to marriage, what I really appreciated about what we did is, like, we sat down and, and talked about these things that we really, really needed to have a conversation around money on. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, what's your debt? Yeah. What, what's your credit score? You know, we didn't get caught up into a lot of different, you know, how do we do with children, even extended family? You know, if yeah. do, do they come and ask for money? How do we handle that? I, I felt a little nervous in the beginning when you were like, all right, let's crack open the credit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to be exposed. My credit score is not cute right now. It's on crutches. What am I doing? But you made me feel safe and comfortable in sharing that to the place where you even got a card, put my name on it, and my credit score shot up. Because mm-hmm. being in that financial strait, and previously I was like, I'm paying off all credit cards, getting rid of them. That didn't do anything for me mm-hmm. because it didn't show I had a credit history or revolving, you know, payments that I could be responsible. So when you got me that, that helped my credit score. So thank you, babe. No problem. So let's talk about like some of the things that kind of transpired with us, yeah. right? We talk about financial infidelity, mm-hmm. right, and what that looks like. And it's not this. It's not always this huge thing where you're stealing money from your partner. Or you're hiding essentially a large amounts of money or you're not being um, transparent about money that you're receiving. Small things are, are just like financial infidelity. Like me going to the, to the mall and buying some shoes that cost a 1000 I'm telling you they cost 200 Yeah, That's being deceitful because now I'm not being fully transparent and we can't really account for how much money is leaving the house. Yeah. Right? If, if I get a check from somewhere and I don't share how much it is, that's financial infidelity. Like if you do something similar or if you are, you know, you want me to know, you want to know about everything of what I'm doing and you're not sharing and you're hiding money, you're doing this shopping without me knowing or you're lying or minimizing uh, whatever you're buying, Mm -hmm. that's financial infidelity. And those small lies lead to big disconnects. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people don't really trust each other when it comes to, to money. And a couple of things that we need to do is really be honest, open. Yeah. And share. Like, we get to decide who pays for what is one of the things, right? Mm-hmm. Who pays for what? Like, I'm totally fine with our, our dynamic yeah. and how we do it. Yeah. And I know how much I need to save, how much I need to pay, how much I get to spend for myself. So we have a joint account. We have personal accounts. Mm-hmm. We have investment accounts. Mm-hmm. We have savings accounts. Um, we have collective and individual. We don't hide that from each other. And so we're also responsible for our children, too, and what that looks like. 
It's not about what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. I know that's the thing that they say on uh, social media. We yeah. talk about women and all of that. We don't do that. We talk yeah. about you have your spending money. If you want to surprise me with something, you know, you can do that at any time. We can do that in five minutes if you want to. Yeah. Uh, that'll work. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's just a con. So, you know, like some takeaways from today, though, when we really think about this conversation, you know, if you're dating, I think it's the conversation. I always say this. Don't be afraid to have those hard conversations. You know, if you have a doubt about what's going down on a date, have that conversation. But also don't lead with money. Yeah, don't. Definitely don't. But be in position where you can, if something happens and there's this unspoken expectation, you can approach it in a right way that's healthy and right. not judgmental. But also people need to be in a space where they feel comfortable and open. And I want to tell men, when you start to date and you lead with money, expect to continue that. Mm -hmm. You never want to be in a position where you take somebody on a date and you're counting coins and you're mad that you wasted money. If you're going to spend time, you're going to spend money, do it from a, a genuine space and just enjoy them. And if it doesn't work out, be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Let me give the last okay. bit of takeaways so okay. you want to take time to really understand each other's values when it comes to money like there's stories like what we're going to eat like where you're going to spend all those different things your your money story also be clear about who pays for what there should never be a guessing game on who's paying for something never should pop up and say i expected you to pay something when we didn't talk about don't impose on someone else don't try to force them to go with your value system with how you think it's to operate what you saw online what your parents told you be open and, and clear and also be available to hear somebody else's voice. And if you are considering marriage, you have to be prepared to get financially naked. Absolutely. Financially naked. And, you know, one way to do this we can close out, too, is having, I'm always going to say this, y'all, the hard conversations that you and your partner should come together in a calm, honest conversation about each other's finances and habits, goals, or anxieties around money and not be in this judgmental space. Because when you're able to do that, you're able to let go all the egos and all that kind of stuff and say, hey, this is where we are and this is where we can build and this is where we can go. Get some financial therapy to yes. address that financial insecurity. Yes, it's all about love and money. Yes. We want to thank you all so much for being in alignment with us today. You know, this is, uh, you know, an opportunity for us to, like, share with you, us to stay connected. So definitely, if you want to stay connected with us, follow us on IG at when Love Aligns, TM. And um, feel free to DM us, you know, for topics or questions or anything that you want us to talk about. And also join our mailing list. And you can do that at WhenLoveAlliance.com. To hear more podcasts like When Love Aligns, check out AlivePodcastNetwork.com.